just take a moment and just remind our hearts of this truth. I don't know where you find yourself this weekend, what kind of a dilemma you might find your heart in, what kind of a struggle you might be feeling right in this moment. If we can be honest, 2020 has been a rough year, has it not? It's been a rough year. It's not been what any of us have planned. And I think that the, delect, that the declaration of this song is so important for us in this season, for us to have a posture of faith, to remain in a posture of expectation, even in the midst of hardship and heartache and pain and dilemma. And can we just take a quick moment, and even if your heart might not feel this in this moment, maybe you're in a struggle and you feel like God is absent, can you remind your heart that even in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your pain, he is with you there also. Jesus, we just look to you this weekend. God, I just pray, would you remind our hearts of the importance that the God who fashioned and formed existence, that gave us breath in our lungs, you came up with the idea of me and of the people that are listening this weekend. Would you remind us of your significance in our lives? Jesus, you're not just a guide. Jesus, you're not just a great physician. Jesus, you're not just a counselor. Jesus, you're not just a healer. God, you're not just our provider. You are the Lord of all of creation. God, you reigned yesterday. You reign today, and you will reign forever. You are the one who was, the one who is, and the one who will be. God, your reign will never fail. Your reign will never cease. And so, God, I declare that over people's lives this weekend. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. We remind our hearts of the truth of your word even when our feelings don't back it up, even when our struggle doesn't back it up. And so today, God, we declare you are with us. You will never leave. You will never forsake us. Come on, if you believe that this weekend in your living room at Littleton campus, can we just put our hands together? Thank the Lord for his faithfulness. It is unending. Come on, hey, you can be seated. I'm excited about this weekend. This song is the perfect setup for what I believe God's been speaking to my own heart. And really, that's the heart of what I want to share with us this weekend. And I don't know about you, but this has been a difficult season. Anybody else had a hard year? Anybody else? Uh, 2020 looks a lot like your New Year's resolutions in December of 2019. Um, I took some time preparing for this message this week, looking back. How many of you know it's good to look back sometimes? It's good to, to look in the, the rear view mirror because you can see glimpses and glimmers of God's faithfulness. You can see the way that he never let you down and it sets an expectation in your heart that he's not gonna do it now. And one of the things that I found to be kind of confusing as it relates to following with Christ is when you find yourself in a 2020 year, it can look like some of the plans, some of the intentions, some of the dreams of your heart have been thwarted and cast aside, and sometimes you're left wondering, God, are you really here? And I want to start this weekend by taking a look at a passage that David wrote. It's one of his psalms. It was a song or a, a poem that he wrote as a declaration to the Lord, kind of like Red Rock's worship songs, remind our hearts that he will never leave us and that he is with us. And I want to Take a quick moment. If you have your Bible, go to Psalm 23. If, if you don't, it's going to be on our big Bible right behind me. 
And Psalm 23 is one of those familiar passages, and I want to just share some stuff that was really important and significant to me, especially as it relates to where we find ourselves today. Psalm 23 starts off this way, and it's amazing. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Somebody say, I have all that I need. He says, he, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside still waters in, or peaceful streams. Verse three says that he renews my strength. He guided me along right paths. How many of you know if you got a lot of paths, we're, we're bad path pickers. He, he will guide you along right paths. I'm grateful for that. And it says, watch what the purpose is, bringing honor to his name. How many of you have ever been on the other side of a dilemma and, and you know that you didn't pick your path, God forced you to pick a path, and there was something in your heart that went, God, I'm so glad that your plan came to fruition and not my plan. It's for the glory and the honor of his name. Verse 4 says, even when, everybody say, even when, even when, even when. still with the good shepherd, but even when I walk through the darkest valley. Hashtag 2020, even when, drop it in the chat online, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. How many know it's easy to confuse a difficult season with the absence of God? And David said, no, 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 I've been through some dark seasons and I realized that even though I walk, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I don't have to fear. Why? Because you are close beside me. He said, your rod and your staff, they protect me and comfort me. And then he goes on to say this, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. How many of you know if someone's preparing a feast for you in front of your enemies, your enemies don't intimidate the feast maker? I want to encourage some of you this weekend that the one who's close to you, even in the darkest valley, he's going to prepare a meal for you. He will provide for you. He will give you reason to celebrate, reason to be grateful, reason to be thankful, because what we face doesn't intimidate God. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. The shepherd, God, honors you. My cup overflows with blessings. Somebody say it overflows with blessing. And verse six says, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. I'm going to say it again because I don't know that we got it here. It says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me, pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. It's an amazing psalm, and I can see why people slap it on mugs and grandmas are quilting this even now as we speak all around the world. They're, they're, they're etching it onto to little quilts to put up in their hallways and in their bathrooms. This is one of those verses that at surface value, it sounds really amazing. And when you're in a good season, anybody here in a good season, be honest, 
We have about five hands, about five hands. Is it, but it's a pretty decent representation. About five hands of people are going through a good season. When you're in a good season, um, Psalm 23 is an amazing thing. It reminds you of the faithfulness of God. But when you're in a dark season, Psalm 23 doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit 2020. It doesn't fit our lives. It doesn't fit what's going on. And so I want to take a look this weekend at some things that I believe are going to help us. And before I do... I want to just give to you the title of my message, and then I'm going to pray. And the title of my message is going to make more sense as we go on. It's one of those messages that God has been preaching to me. Aren't you grateful that God speaks to us? He guides us. He directs us. And the title of my message for the note takers, the ones that will get into heaven first with extra credit, the title of my message is Guide or God. Guide or God. God, I just pray this weekend that you would help me say what you've been saying to me. God, I'm grateful for your grace. I'm grateful for your mercy. I'm grateful for the ways that you guide us, lead us, and direct us. And God, my prayer is for people that might be going through an amazing season and also people that might be going through a very difficult season might see your goodness and faithfulness and be reminded of what really, really, really matters. Help us to jump to the correct conclusions. Help us to end with the right narrative in mind. Help us to set our gaze on things above, we pray. And everybody at Red Rocks Church across all of our locations online, God Behind Bars, and the crazy folks in the Littleton campus said, amen, 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 amen. amen. I was just saying earlier, 2020's been weird. And uh, as I was prepping this, as I was trying to navigate, God, what do you want to say to our church? What would be appropriate for people in this season? The only thing that I could get in my mind, which I know we're all tired of hearing 2020, we're looking forward to 2021 with maybe some naive, hopeful expectations that there's going to be some redemptive qualities to 2021. And I was just thinking about the dilemmas that we've found in 2020, and so I went back down memory lane and took a look at, at my New Year's resolutions that I wrote together in December of 2019. Of all the things that I was looking to accomplish and achieve and do, like, y'all, when, when I look at this, I was like, I thought 2020 was going to be the greatest year of life ever. Like churches were even looking at 2020 going like 2020, so significant. This is going to be the year that God gives us 2020 vision. So cheesy, so cheesy, but 2020 was one of those things. I had great expectation. It was the start of a new decade. Me, as an individual, I was going to be entering into a new decade of life. I had expectations. I had expectations of hover cars in 2020. I was expecting to see Red Rocks Church multiply in size and, and launch a, a, a new location, maybe even on Mars. Like I was, My heart was expecting, and you could see the naivety in, in what I was writing in my journal, because I just believed that this was going to be one of the greatest years yet. And then you start to live a little bit of 2020, and things don't necessarily go as planned, and I've noticed that in my time with God, my prayer time, most of my prayers, Jill, don't judge me, most of my prayers have been like 
pleas and cries out to God to deliver me from situations or confusion or apathy or the feeling of insecurity and insignificance. Have any of you felt that this year? Like if there was something that was going to call something inside of you into question, 2020 did a pretty decent job. And so a lot of my prayers, I'm just going to let you into my prayer life. You guys promise not to judge me. Here's some of the, the prayers that have been consistent. God, can you help me get through this? All of us got a this. God, can you, can you, Lord, this is real. God, can you just help me figure out a way to pay for this? God, can you help me fix this mess that I've created or somebody else has created? God, can you help me fix this relationship? Anybody had some relational struggles? Don't nudge your spouse, but it's been a tough year. We've spent a lot more time with our spouses and our kids and a lot less time with our friends. And one of the other prayers that I've consistently said to God is, God, can you, can you help make this clear? Anybody been confused during this year? Like, God, I, I can't even see an hour in front of me. Literally, moment by moment on our leadership team text, stuff changes moment by moment. We'll, we'll tell the staff, hey, guys, this is the new direction. And then 30 minutes later, we're like, stink, something changed. We got to go back and we got to reverse it and course correct. Like, God, can you help make this season a little bit more clear? Because I'm just confused around every corner that I peek my head down. God, can you help me? And I remember one day, which led to this message, I was laying in bed and I had a headache and my body was just tense and tight. And as I laid there, it just felt like a weight was just sitting on my chest, like Andrew Matrone, Indian style on my chest. And, and I just knew I just needed to take some stuff before God. And so I just started doing like a prayer vent which if I'm honest, that's most of my prayer life. It's just prayer events. And so I'm listing all the things I got going on, every struggle, every battle, every relationship that feels tense, every, every financial struggle where I'm going, God, I don't know how all this is going to work out. I just sat there and I just listed them off to God. And I just laid there under the weight of just anxiety and really depression, feeling like, my gosh, what the heck is going on? And I felt like God said a sentence to me, and he didn't, never really speaks to me super clearly, often speaks to me through his word, but I just had this subtle prompt in my heart where God said, son, do you want a guide or a God? And I took some time thinking through what the heck did he mean? God ever tell you something and you're like, God, can you unpack that a little bit? Can you expound for me? I'm a little slow. I was home learned. I, I don't necessarily learn as quick as everybody else. Can you, can you dumb it down for me? And I had one of those moments where I just started fleshing things out in light of the prayer that I just laid before him. And he said, do you want a guide or a God? Because when I started navigating this and what he started unpacking to me is oftentimes when I'm praying through certain situations, I'm going, God, can you get me from here where I'm struggling to over here where I won't be struggling? God, can you get me from here where I'm confused and get me to over here where I'm not confused anymore? God, can you get me from here where life is very difficult to over here where life is easy and I can just enjoy it and fun is just, it just happens. It's a, it's a byproduct. Joy just bubbles out of me. 
Like, God, can you get me from here to here? Can you guide me from here to here? And one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is that he is a guide. He will guide you. He will counsel you. He will direct you. He will make your path straight. These are all things that come straight out of the Bible. But what he was asking is, do you want me to simply be a guide to get you to what you have in mind as a goal, or can I just be God for you? Have you ever been in a situation where your plea to the Lord is, God, get me from A to B, because B has a whole lot more happiness than A? God, the raise over in B is going to be a lot easier than where I'm living right here with my dumpy pay at A. Like, God, the bills over here are a lot less than where I'm standing at right now. The dilemmas over here, we play this game all the time, and so our, our, the cry of our heart is, God, I got dreams. I got goals. I got hopes and expectations. Can you just get me to those hopes? Can you just get me to those dreams? Can you guide me? And God's question to me, which is the question I want to pose to us this weekend, do you want just a guide or do you want a God? You see, because as I read Psalm 23 with this sort of a weight and this sort of a perspective on my heart, I, I read it a lot differently this time. Because oftentimes I see my goals as the goal and I remove God from the equation and God is simply there to just help me get my goals, help me grow the church. Help me straighten out the teams. Help me raise my kids. Help me get my finances in order, which he will do. But as I was reading Psalm 23, some things started jumping off the pages in a way that I have never experienced it before. Psalm, Psalm 23, starting at the very first verse, he, he, he frames up for us this unbelievable narrative. Sorry, we're going to start in verse 6. Psalm 23, verse 6, as he brings the, 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 the verse to a close... He gives us the conclusion that he's going to lead us to through all of Psalm 23. He starts with this picture of us being with the good shepherd. And it's amazing. I have everything that I need. Some of your translations say, I lack nothing. And then he brings us through laying down by in, 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 in green pastures or green meadows and bringing us beside still waters. And he's with us in the valley and takes us on this unbelievable journey with the shepherd. But then he finishes in chapter six saying this, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. This is his conclusion. Watch what the end goal is. He says, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, when David was writing this, he wasn't trying to create something that would be perceived as literally. If we would look at the house of God, most of us would go, I'm going to live in the church forever. Hallelujah. Rent free. I'm going to live in the tabernacle. I'm going to live in the temple. This isn't what David was trying to get at. What he was trying to allude to us is that the home is the place where life is done. It's the place where living takes place. It's where you do your sleeping. It's where you do your eating. It's where you do your mourning and your grieving. It's where you do your celebrations. It's where you grow up and live and do life. And he says, I I'm going to do my life. I'm going to live in the place where God does his life all the days of my life. What he was saying is, I'm going to live in the presence of God for all my days. Here's why this matters. He just took us from verse one 
all the way through this unbelievable psalm. And then he led us to the same conclusion that he started with. You see, watch what he says in verse one. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. David opens up the psalm with his resolve. He opens up the psalm with his conclusion. He opens up the psalm with the same thing that he says in the end. He says, I have a good shepherd, one that walks with me, one that works with me, one that empathizes and sympathizes with me, one who protects me and feeds me, helps me to rest when I shouldn't be able to rest. All of this whole narrative, he's saying, listen, it starts with knowing that you have a good shepherd and it ends with knowing you will have this good shepherd forever and ever and ever. You see, for me, most of my life, if I can be really honest, I'm an Enneagram three for any Enneagram lovers, and I'm an achiever. I got some waves in the back. I'm an achiever. I get so much of my worth and significance from what I do. So, so much of my life has been rallied around what's the next hill we're going to take? What's the next thing? Ask Sean, it's hard to work with me because I'm always on to the next thing. What's next? What's next? What, what's, what's more? What else? What else? And, and what, if I'm not careful, my natural propensity is what's the next thing that I can achieve? And when I face opposition or I hit the wall, I go to God and go, God, help me get past this wall. And then I achieve again. And then, and then I go, God, what is next? What do you want me to achieve? Where can I find significance? Make a mark. Do the thing. Wah, wah, wah. And then I step forward into that opportunity opportunity, hit opposition, and then I cry out to God again. God, help me to get past this opposition because I got goals. David's one of the most significant figures in human history. I would venture to say that very few of us will ever accomplish even a percentage of what David was able to accomplish with his life, yet here he is writing a psalm saying, I have a good shepherd and I have all that I want. Here's the journey that he takes me on and at the end of my conclusion, the end of my days, I realize I have that good shepherd and I get to live with him forever. Do you want a guide or a God? You see, because the struggle inside of our hearts when we face these sort of oppositions, struggles, temptations, friction, is God, get me from where I feel dysfunction and frustration into that place of peace. You can look at your desire for more money, and I guarantee at the root of it, you just want some more peace. The promotion, you just want more peace. Living in that other city that's better and grander, you just want more peace. God, fix my relationship because I want some more peace. Peace is the goal of our lives. It's the, the life ambition that drives the human heart to do great things. Peace is what we want. But the problem is we get peace all wrong. The Bible calls God the God of peace the God of peace, the God of peace. Somebody say of, drop it in the chat online, say of, he's the God of peace. The Bible refers to Jesus as the Prince of peace. 
The Bible calls also Jesus the path of peace. Here's why this is significant. Peace, he possesses. Peace originates in him. Peace is found in him. Peace can only be found in him. Every other form of peace that you're gonna find outside of the character of God is gonna be a counterfeit peace. And we're pretty good with counterfeit peace. That's why alcohol consumption has skyrocketed and drug consumption has skyrocketed. Pornography numbers have never been higher. It's because we're searching for a counterfeit peace. And all the world knows is a counterfeit peace. But the Bible says, don't miss this. God is the God of peace. He's not the God to peace. He is the God of peace. He possesses it all. He holds it all. You cannot find lasting peace apart from him. Look what Isaiah 26 verse 3 says. He says, you will keep in perfect peace. He's going to tell us the type of person who God keeps. Everybody say, God keeps. God keeps in perfect peace. Nothing worse than you trying to keep yourself in perfect peace. He says, you will keep in perfect peace. Watch all who trust in you. All, those, all whose thoughts, everybody say thoughts, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Some translations say all whose minds are upon you or fixed upon you. He's saying, listen, if you want to be able to walk through this life with peace and you want God to be more than a guide, you want him to be God in your life, if you walk with him, fix your trust upon him and fix your mind upon him or your thoughts upon him, which let's be honest, this is where our anxiety starts. This is where the worry starts. This is where the troubles start. This is where the arguments start. Anybody have pre-arguments? It all starts in the mind. And he says, if you can fix your thoughts upon him, it is his job to keep you in perfect peace. Friends, we've been looking for the path to peace. Either you have peace or you don't have peace. There's no path to peace. Either you have peace or you don't have peace. You're unrest or you're rested. Like There's no in-between where you're like, I'm almost to peace. Almost got it. Almost feel a sense of peace in my life. There is no path to peace. There is only a path of peace, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says, if you want lasting peace... You're only going to find it with him and in him. That's why I'm grateful that David said that the Lord is my good shepherd. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I don't have to fear because he is near to me. Friends, there is no peace outside of God. It originates in him, and I want that two-letter word to just free up some of your hearts. Some of you have been searching and seeking for peace. You've started to do some healthy things to help you get peace, and it might help for a moment, but lasting peace only comes from God. Of peace is so significant because he possesses it. Conrad, that's why it's called the International House of Pancakes. Not the International House to Pancakes. 
because when I'm in the international house of pancakes, they got pancakes on deck. Some of you need to be reminded this weekend that in your searching and grasping and grabbing, so many of your New Year's resolutions will be a search through a path to get peace. But more gym time, more weight loss won't lead to more peace. Healthy, recommended. Getting on a a budget plan is a good plan, but it won't produce peace in your life. Trying to fix your broken marriage right now is a good plan. Recommend it. It will not produce the peace that you are looking for in any of your New Year's resolutions, looking at a new year, any of your goals, any of your objectives, that your hope is, when I do this, I will have peace. I promise you, it will be a counterfeit peace that will only last until you reach your next struggle. Here's the thing about good times. Your good times don't last forever. Here's the thing about bad times. Your bad times don't last forever. So you need to find something in between to maintain and to manage you, whether you're in the prairies, laying in the green grass, or you find yourself in the darkest valleys. You got to have something to neutralize the peace in your own soul because you will not find peace there. You will only find peace with God. That's why I find so much respite. So much exhale for my soul when I read this psalm and I say, man, I have a good shepherd. And he's not just my guide to navigate me through hard times. He will do that. He's not just my guide to navigate me through hard times. He's, He's the presence of peace even in the midst of hard times. And his desire, not just my desire, is to be with me no matter what obstacle I find myself in. It's interesting because for some of you that are listening, maybe you're new to church and you go, yeah, it just sounds like fluffy Christian talk. Like it sounds like this wouldn't necessarily be effective. It's ambiguous. It might be irrelevant. It's just church language. I want to read something that's kind of interesting. This week, I was, it was brought to my attention that there was a, a Gallup study that went out, a big poll, big study that they did across the entire United States. And let me read you the headline that I read in regards to this Gallup study. The, the Gallup study said this as a headline, churchgoers, only U.S. group that avoided 2020 mental health decline. This isn't a Christian study. They did the study to show everybody's struggling. And what's amazing is they, they, they broke everything into categories, Conrad. They, 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 they broke people into income statuses, and they said, listen, people that make less than 40000 saw a decline. People that make more than $100,000 a year still saw a decline. They, they, they even pulled women and they pulled men and both saw decline. They pulled 16 or 18 to 25 year olds and they pulled 65 and up. And guess what? Both saw declines. Republican, Democrat, both saw declines. Everybody across the board, whether no matter what the color of your skin was, no matter how much money you made, whether you were college educated or not, the only people that polled in a way that said, I'm not seeing a decline, were people that were frequent churchgoers. 
And when you look at the stats, the more frequent they went to church, the more the numbers actually grew. The reason I say that is because there's something about getting into a building. There's something about watching online. There's something about being with other people, pressing your heart towards faith that, that elevates your eyes to realize my peace isn't found in a global pandemic. It's not found in a promotion. It wasn't found when I had my job, and it sure as heck can't be found now that I lost it. Like Peace can be found even in dire circumstances in a secular, non-Christian Paul said, this is interesting. Friends, if you want peace and you want God to be more than just a guide to get you through hard times, I want to encourage you, ask your heart the question, do I want simply a guide or do I want to be reminded that I have a God? Let's look at Isaiah 26, 3 again. You keep, God, in perfect peace, all who trust. That, means to be, that word trust means to be at rest in another's integrity. Can you trust the integrity of God enough to be at rest? Says you will keep in perfect peace all those who trust you, all those whose thoughts and their mind is fixed upon you, friends. You want to be lethal. You want to be unshakable during this time. I promise you, if you can get this truth just out of your mind and into your heart to redirect your mind back to God, the Bible says it is God's job to keep you in perfect peace keep you in perfect peace. That's why I'm excited that our buildings are opening back up. That's why I'm excited that people are starting life groups, that people haven't neglected community. They've used Zoom calls to remind their hearts towards things above. If you're taking notes, would you just write this down? Remind yourself the next time that you're in prayer that God isn't just the guide. He's the destination. I'm not saying kill your dreams. I'm not saying kill your goals. They're worthless. Only God should be your goal. Just remind your heart of what matters most. Because even though you're gonna walk through really difficult times, difficult struggles, difficult issues, you're gonna walk through setbacks, things that don't go your way, can you remind yourself that God isn't just the guide to get you to your goals? Friends, he is the ultimate, ultimate destination. I also want you to write this down or take a picture of the screen or do something, but remind your heart that peace does not come when the struggle is behind you. Peace comes when you realize that God is with you. And my hope for this weekend is that you wouldn't dumb down who God is. Don't water him down to a characteristic. One of the things that I've learned about spending some life with Pastor Sean is he isn't just a preacher to me. He's an amazing father, an amazing husband, an amazing friend, an amazing caretaker when I've been in need. The worst thing that I could do to our relationship is dumb him down to the grandest occupation that he holds and just call him a preacher. Friends, it's even more detrimental when you just take a facet and an attribute of God and you just know him as guide. 
You just go to him as provider when your bank account's low and you need a provider. Don't dumb down God. Remind your soul that the one who fashioned and formed the universe, the one who spoke you into existence into your mother's womb, the one who, who made the cosmos, the one who gave you breath in your lungs, the one who planned your days and ordained for you to do good things in them, the one who knows the number of hairs on your head, the one who knows every sin in your life that you would commit, and before you were born, he said, I will forgive every one of your sins. The God who wants to be near to you, friends. Can you remind your heart, I want more than a guide. I want more than a counselor. I want more than a provider. God, I want you to restore yourself as God to me. And as I step into the boardroom and into the doctor's office and into the kitchen to be with my kids and into a difficult meeting and, and meeting with debtors and, and, and facing the difficult situations, I walk into that room knowing that I'm not. I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go fishing with some unbelievable pastors and my dad, my dad's also an unbelievable pastor, he just happens to also be my dad, and my brothers, and we went and uh, fished in the bayous of Louisiana. And it was unbelievable, was, uh, I've never experienced something like it. We got in these boats and we'd head out in the water and, and you'd take all these canals and channels and rivers and then you'd open up to this huge lake huge lake that you couldn't see the other side of and and coming off of this this lake was all these channels and rivers and canals and and our guide that day was a, a, another pastor friend his name was pastor Stephen and as he was driving he, he just knew just the right canal to go to that would lead us to another body of water with hundreds of canals going all over the place and I remember feeling like man if I was the one navigating through these waters I would get lost in the waters forever. It was like so daunting looking out and seeing all the different avenues, all the different streams and the rivers. There's no way that I could have navigated on my own. And I was going, I'm glad we got him with us. And on the second day while we were fishing, he said, you know, it's been fun. I've been coming out to these waters for 40 plus years, my dad and I. And he said, fishing is really fun, but you got good days and you got bad days. There's no science to it. Even the best guide can't help you avoid a bad day of fishing. And I'll never forget what he said. I was in the boat with he and his 82-year-old father, another unbelievable pastor. I was with my dad, and it was just the four of us in the boat. And he said, you know, I've been fishing for a long time, but you get good days, you get bad days. The reason that I've been coming out here for 40-plus years it's just to get time with my dad. And I remember hearing that and looking down at his 82-year-old father thinking like, man, isn't that how God wants us to do life? I'm gonna have good days of fishing where I bring in all the spoils my heart's long for and I'm gonna have really bad days of fishing where I go home with the cooler empty. It's cheese sandwiches tonight. 
But my prayer this weekend is that you can remind yourself in the midst of your navigating the waters that lie ahead of you. Some of you are going through some really difficult things and all it looks like is opportunities or closed doors and you don't know which way to go. You don't know which way to look to. You don't know what the hope of your soul is. Can I remind you, part of being out on troubling waters, part of getting out in the seas and the open waters and navigating, part of the goal and the joy, the only goal, the only joy of doing so is to be alone with your father and so even in the midst of hardship even in the midst of struggle can you just remind your soul today you are not alone he has not forsaken you he has not left you aside or cast you aside it doesn't matter how dirty and dark your past may seem you might be going God doesn't want to be with me can I encourage you that's exactly what the heart of God wants, is to be with broken and sinful people as he restores them, as he bestows peace, as he heals them. Let the heavy lifting to fix yourself, heal yourself, give peace to your own soul. Take it off you for a moment. That is the work of God. All that you have to do is draw near to him. Don't you dare. Let your sin and shame keep you from him. This should be a moment as we go into Christmas where our hearts just look to the heavens again as we're reminded of the greatest act of love that God could possibly do in sending his son Jesus. That was the greatest word. He says, I love sinners and broken people, and my one and only ambition is to see them restored so I can do life together with them this weekend. And I just want to say, if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never seen him as somebody that wants to be near to you, I want to remind you this weekend, the very heart of God beats with a passion for broken and sinful and hurting and broke and detached and dirty people. God wants to do life with you. His plans for you far outweigh even your greatest desires you could conjure up in your mind. And my prayer this weekend, step one in doing life with the Good Shepherd all of the days of your life is inviting him into your life to be the Lord and the Savior of your life and the forgiver of your sins. And the Bible says it's really easy to do that. All that you have to do is believe in your heart that he's Lord. He reigns above it all. Your darkest situation, he reigns above it all. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord over everything, you will be saved. And so God, I just pray right now for every single person under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you. They've been cast aside. They felt like you don't love them, don't wanna be with them. Remind their souls in the ways that only you can, that you are good and that your goodness and your mercies are going to pursue them all the days of their lives. And the greatest decision that they could make would be to submit to your pursuing. And so God, pursue hearts this weekend, pursue broken people this weekend as we declare, you are Lord, you are Savior, and you are the forgiver of our sins sins, the lifter of our heads. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. God, we don't want just a guide. We want to exalt you in our minds. Remind our minds. Restore our minds with the view that you are God. You reign above it all and you will never leave us nor forsake us. 
So what do we have to fear? What do we have to tremble for? What do we have to run from? God, you reign above it all. We want God to be restored in our hearts today. Come on, Red Rocks Church, let's worship and exalt the Lord with the singing of these songs. 